Well, welcome in to Navigating Change with Shane and Mike. Across from me, Shane Bishop. My name is Mike Wooten. We are so glad to have you join us for the show today. This episode, we're going to continue to talk about how you can get ahead in life. And it's based off of Shane's blog, Do You Want to Get Ahead in Life? You can find that blog at RevShaneBishop.com. Shane, how's it going for you today? Well, I am marvelous, Mike. And you a look lot of great. That, well, thank you. Thank you. I am a very handsome man. And, it's uh, striking. When you come strike in the room. Strike it. But just the fact I get to spend time with you, oh. Mike, makes it a great day. You know what, Shane? I appreciate that. I wish my wife felt the same way about me some days. I want to tell you a story. I would love to hear a story. You're going to regale me. Oh, the story. You're going you're gonna to feel like, wow, wow. We should just let Mike talk the whole time because this is about to just dazzle you. So uh, we got some new floors over at the Parsonage at the house. Nice. Beautiful wood floors. They look great. My wife absolutely loves them. They were installed like a week ago. That went uh, really well. Uh, on Saturday was our first day in a while just to be at home all day. We wanted to build a fire in the fireplace. Okay. And so we just... Do you have a wood fireplace or We gas? have a wood fireplace. So you got to yes. actually get wood, stuff you, it in, yep. start the fire. Got you it. You got it. So uh, that's something enjoyable. My older daughter particularly loves to do that. We had some football this weekend we got to watch. So anyways, oh, yeah. Uh, above the fireplace, there's a mantle, what, probably four and a half feet off the ground. And, and on top of that mantle is a really big mirror. Uh, probably a 25-pound mirror. Wow. And then right in front of it, a couple-pound picture, right? Well, as I had the fire going, it was so beautiful. I went to, uh, to get a larger log to put in there uh, because the fire was ready for it, and I hit the back of the fireplace wall when I did it. Well, sure enough, I'm bent over, and the picture, not the mirror, thank God, the picture falls over and hits me. On the head? Uh, on In the back. Okay. Pretty, pretty hard, okay. right? And I just kept in that position and started to cover my head because I thought if that mirror comes down on me, it could be serious, right? Mm -hmm. Well, my lovely, incredible wife, who is a nurse by profession, yeah, right. who is uh, uh, no, a nurturer in many ways, she immediately comes down to right beside me right after I get hit by this picture. And uh, I, I slowly start to look towards her thinking that there's going to be like some compassion and mercy and care in her eye. And as I look at her, her face is about four inches from the ground. Mm -hmm. She's examining the new floor to see if the picture frame made any dents in that floor. Oh, I like it. So then I just kind of uh, was in that position, crouched over in so much pain. Mm -hmm. Well, not that much pain. But, but I just, more pain than the floor. Uh, enough pain to need comfort, Shane. Yes, I get it. And I looked at her, and she's just examining the floor, and she gets up and walks away. And I went to the couch, and, and I did mention that actually that frame hit me first. And she, as she was walking away, she said, oh, are you okay? And she just walked it. into that was That was it. And Not she was even a, really waiting around for a response. Uh, no, <laughs> without a doubt. She just kept walking away. But I, I'm going to say it's because she knows how tough I am, Shane. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Because when I think of you, that's what yeah. I think of. Toughness. Tough. Yeah, just toughness. Yeah. Well, or maybe Good. she's trying to toughen me up. Maybe so. <laughs> that might be. More. And you weren't looking. Maybe she dropped the picture on you. <laughs> There's a possibility. Hey, we need cameras in that house. You really do. Yeah, we really do. Okay, last episode, Shane. We talked about seven ways to get ahead. Let me quickly catch up our audience. We had work hard, have a great attitude, be a team player, watch your language, refuse drama, show some respect. And our next tip for today is to be approachable. Shane, how in the world does being approachable get a person ahead? We recently had the new Cardinals, St. Louis Cardinals manager, 
Oliver Marmel here at church. And here's a guy who, you know, is is going to be the manager of one of the most storied sports franchises in, I think it would be fair to say, in American history. And the thing that just struck me about him was that his body language was just approachable. He, he, he didn't have this, this like, prideful thing. He wasn't big league in you or Hollywood in you. He was just a really approachable guy. And, and by not having those walls up, people just gravitated toward him. And then after he was done with his gig and he would have been free to leave, he stuck around for 30 minutes, talked to kids, talked to family, signed stuff. But I just thought, what an approachable guy. And the other thing I thought was, what a great guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and approachability is so important. A lot of people throw this aura up, this body language up. Mm-hmm. I'm too busy for you. I'm in a hurry. Right. Last thing I've ever got time to do is talk to you. Yeah. Ever. And here was somebody who probably is a whole lot busier than we are mm-hmm. that had that time. So I think just being approachable is a skill set and something to help you yeah. get ahead in life. Uh, I was here for that evening. Uh, I'm a Cubs fan, and we had, of course, again, like you said, the new manager here, and it was it was hard not to root for the guy. I mean, he was yeah. approachable, like you said, uh, definitely respectable, and uh, just shared great stories about his faith. And I did hear that that he stayed after, he did. which surprised me. And I really felt that approachability whenever people would come up and take pictures with them, because I have had the opportunity mm-hmm. to do it with a couple other pro athletes, and they were nice and everything, but he almost like it made it feel like he wanted you there. Yeah. Not just like, let's take a picture together. thought it was really, really cool. But be, approachability, I, I think, is another one of those really underrated skill sets. And I think it's something we, we have to intentionally do. Yeah. You know, uh, what if the interruptions are really the real work? Mm. A lot of times I'm working on a sermon and, and I, I think, you know, I don't have time for anybody and, and all this stuff. But what if the interruptions are... The real work. What if the really significant things in life are the interruptions? By being unapproachable, we're going to rule all of that out. Anything good that happens on an ancillary, on the periphery, we're not going to experience. So I just think approachability kind of is it shows some humility. Mm. And I think that when people, when, when bosses or whoever it is, when they're looking for people to put on their team, looking for people to advance on their team, Approachability is an important thing, and not being uh, a stand, not being standoffish. Right. So I'm going to say not being standoffish is going to make you stand out today. Very good, Shane. All right. Our next point for uh, the podcast today, with how to get ahead, is to stay clean and sober. Stay clean and sober, Shane. Uh, that can probably get you ahead in life. It helps yeah. uh, if you're not consistently shooting yourself in the foot. And so a lot of people, a lot of really talented people, look at great athletes who who may have still done well, but not nearly as well as they should have done because they couldn't self-manage, because they didn't have impulse control, because they could not find a a barrier to their worst impulses. Mm -hmm. And so staying clean and sober, just making good decisions about how you live your life, Making decisions that that you're not always going to have to try to cover up or hide, mm-hmm. that's no way to live. What if what if you know you're you got a job and and somebody says we're going to have to go through your computer? You know what you do 
if everything is clean and sober on that computer, you go home and you think, gosh, I just got the afternoon off. Let's get coffee. <laughs> if you got stuff in there that you're trying to hide, all of a sudden it's a very different thing. So I'm just talking about living in a way that is clean yeah. and, and sober, having a sound right. mind, and just making good decisions. You know, uh, I think a little bit more pointed with it with actually, you know, alcohol in my mind for a moment. And one of the things I found from uh, some people who uh, can't get, uh, sometimes people are functional alcoholics. That's correct. Or, you know, and uh, some people come from drinking cultures. They Not do. so much uh, just like alcoholism. It's just you always have to be drinking to have mm-hmm. any type of fun. And I would encourage anyone um how or, you know in what way to get behind that is you kind of got to uh, relearn how to have fun. Yeah. I, I really think some people struggle socially because they're like, don't have a drink in my hand, don't know how to talk, a little bit buzzed. And I do think there's some people out there that really have to kind of step back and say, maybe even observe people who are clean and sober and say, okay, maybe I can have fun in that way too. Because I think there are a lot of social gatherings, a lot of places, the workplace for one, where you got to have a little bit of fun from time to time and not rely on some type of inebriation uh, to get you there. You know, Mike, I think a lot of people would be shocked at how much alcoholism affects clergy. (laughs) And being in seminary, I think people would be shocked to know what an established drinking culture was actually in seminary. And... A lot of pastors, I was just looking at a pastor yesterday who who said, you know, I've basically fallen off the wagon here. Mm. Uh, One of the decisions I made in my life, Mike, is is I just don't drink. And you know what? That is one set of things I don't have to worry about. I don't have to worry about did I have too many beers if I get stopped on the way home by an officer being a DUI. I don't have to worry about my judgment being impaired because I have had too much to drink. So part of that for me of staying clean and sober is just making decisions. And and I've learned how to have a perfectly good time without alcohol in my life. And that is a safeguard. If you don't want to fall off a cliff, probably be wise not to go toward the edge. For me, not drinking, you know, not using drugs, those kind of things. I don't need that stuff to have a good time, but it also protects me. Absolutely. I'm I'm with you early in my journey. I just, for me, it was just a witness thing at first, but it has really had, I think, just a great uh, impact for the things you're talking about in my life. So there's no question, even if I was someone who had one beer once a week, if someone saw me with a beer, I guarantee they're going to start questioning my judgment. And, uh, and that's just what I've noticed. So, you know, I don't, I don't drink either. And I think it saved me a lot of, uh, uh, you know, I don't know if it would be bad personal decisions as much. It would be speculation about who I am because I started drinking. That's just how I see it. And, you know, that's how I'm just going to keep living. You know, the Bible says to avoid the appearance of evil. And I've been criticized because I don't drink, you know, it's kind of like you think you're better than everybody and, and, and you, you, because you don't drink and all that. And and they'll say, you know, you don't drink because you're afraid of what people think. And I'll say, that's really not true because I could care less what you think. And it, I'm not going to drink. I care less what you have to think about it. I could care less what other people had to have to think about it. It's a decision I'm making for me, for how I want to live my life. And as I said, it's one set of things I don't have to worry about. I don't miss it. Because it's never been something that's really been there. And I can have a perfectly good time without it. So 
there's a lot of things in life just because we can do something, yeah. just because maybe something yeah. would be permissible, doesn't necessarily mean we ought to do it. Yeah, and I think in the idea about how you get ahead, uh, sometimes people, we have to think about, you know, what are the sacrifices that we need to make to get ahead to? There are bigger things, bigger decisions in life that put us in position to win. Absolutely. And although that might not be the reason to do that, uh, you know, put a little thought into uh, you know, activities outside of the workplace and in our social life, I think can definitely get us ahead in life. Well, one, one thought about getting ahead, when I played high school football, we had Saturday morning practices. And I was brilliant at Saturday morning practices because I was the only guy that wasn't hung over. <laughs> just... And so you would get to Saturday morning practices. I mean, I'm screaming in people's ears. I'm making helmet to helmet contact. I'm just ringing their <laughs> oh. bells. But you, you want to get ahead? Find places to get an advantage and come in clean and sober every day, ready to work, ready to succeed. It's a great place to start. Another way we can get ahead, Shane, is to have good manners and just be polite. What are your thoughts on that? My thoughts is that we live in a society that has grown boorish. We live in a society of rude people. Uh, We talked about language last show but for me showing manners being polite is a way that we show respect it's it's a way we respect ourselves it's kind of where respect and and all those things sort of meet so me showing good manners me being polite is me honoring you Mm. it's me serving you it is something that i do because i respect you by the fact that you're a human being. Holding the door open for someone when you can tell their hands are full. It's really simple things. Uh, but good manners, being polite, I think goes a long way. And if you want to stand out today in the workplace, I mean, why does Chick-fil-A stand out among fast food places? I mean, their chicken sandwiches are good, but I'd be hard pressed to say they're all that much better than Buffalo Wild Wings or Cybergs or somewhere else. But they're, they're really good. But what stands out for Chick-fil-A is you've got polite people yeah. with good manners. Uh, my pleasure. It's great to see you. Do they mean it? Who stinking cares? It's there. And it is affirming to our humanity in a very positive way. I have no real data on what I'm about to say. I like that. But uh, for all the fact checkers I've made a whole career out of saying stuff with no data to support it whatsoever. You have not done that. But there are a lot of people who have. (laughs) I I will uh, back down on that. I will capitulate. (laughs) But I am convinced with the success of Chick-fil-A, I have gotten better customer service at other fast food places. Now, I know that uh, just that people, customer service has gone up at other places because of Chick-fil-A because it was so, uh, I mean, you know, they had more profit, obviously. They've expanded their franchises all across the country. Uh, They've just had success. And I think other places have actually kind of, uh, you know, kind of taken their model and say, oh, maybe people, if they're respected a little bit more, maybe they'll come and visit us here. Rising tides make all the ships higher. They, They just do. And so I agree. I remember a few years back, this be a lot of years back, we got word that a, a real trendy uh, St. Louis church was going to come into our region, you know. And at first it was sort of like people going, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? And what you end up doing is up in your game. 
we, we knew that they were tech-heavy church. We knew that they had some really cool things they did. And we just kind of got looking at we, what we were doing. Mm-hmm. And because they were coming in, we ended up really upping our game. And so I think that is actually a, a positive thing. But when it comes to uh, having good manners, when it comes to being polite, I think you're right. I, I think it's contagious. Mm. And I also think conversely, we talked about language last time. If people are throwing the F-bombs around all day, every day, like you're watching an episode yeah. of Yellowstone, yeah. if, if that's, that, that creates a culture as well. So do you want a culture right. of F-bombs yeah. or do you want right. a plight culture? I think we would all function better in a plight and mannerly culture. I agree, and I think I'd want to buy a sandwich from a place that's not throwing that word around. I agree. Uh, if I had the choice. so Why'd rather somebody cook my food that, that was plight? Yes. You know yeah, what I mean? And trust. then I thought occasionally wash their hands, that yeah. kind of thing. It'd be huge. Yeah, I agree. All right, the next part uh, in this uh, today about getting ahead is about encouraging others. How can encouraging others get us ahead? In every conceivable way. I think John Maxwell said year ago, years ago, you help people get what they want, they'll help you get what you want. And I think the ministry of encouragement is one of the most winsome ministries out there. Just encourage other people. See what God sees in them. Celebrate what they do well. Man, we got a whole culture that's kind of set up to beat people down and, and to tear people up. Encouragers, people love encouraging people. And if you're in the workplace, you want to get ahead, you want to stand out, celebrate the accomplishments of your teammates. Be an encourager. Hey, we can do this. Uh, you will stand out. I think encouraging people uh, just rise to the top quickly, and they stand out quickly among their peers. And I hate to say this, Mike, but I think particularly for people your age. In what way? If you're a big encourager yeah. and you're kind of vocal about it, yeah. I think you really stand out among the competition of people your age. There's several of them my age. Okay. You know, encouraging, too, I feel like is such a gift for the person given the encouragement. Oh, absolutely. Because it, when it comes back to know that your words or your actions helped someone, um, that can lift you up. That shouldn't be the intention, maybe, but gosh, it comes back and makes you but feel only, great. But not only that, everybody likes encouragers. I mean, nobody doesn't like encouragers. People that encourage you, hey, Mike, you know, every day they have something positive to say. You don't think you like that person? you got to be kidding me. A lot of people are just sad sacks and they criticize people and then they whine because they don't get invited to their birthday parties. You want to get invited to a birthday party? Encourage, encourage, encourage. All right, next with how to get ahead, think before you speak. Boy, this is an important one, Shane. Think before you speak. How do people get ahead, or how does that help people get ahead? Well, it probably helps them get ahead by keeping them from stepping into great big piles of cow manure constantly. How many people can't control their impulses? They put whatever's on their mind out there. Now it's seen by 3,000 of their closest friends on Facebook, and then it goes viral. It, it gets out there, and before long, you have a real mess. And the reality is you probably thought something that a 100 other people thought too, but you didn't control your impulses. You didn't keep your mouth shut. You didn't keep yeah. your fingers still. And how many times do we end up having to put out wildfires that never 
had to be started because we could have just kept our mouths shut. Yeah, I think uh, what's interesting about thinking before we speak as well, if we put some thought, sometimes we have a good intention. Sometimes we have a good idea, but it's not presented the right way. There have been times where for me, if I just stay stay quiet for a moment, be still, so wait, maybe I just need to share this. Mm-hmm. Uh, not just, you know, you, you write it out in a paragraph, like, oh, that doesn't sound great, even with sermons sometimes. You know, I'll do a draft of a sermon, say, you know what, I get my intention there, I get where this is supposed to be going, but that could be written differently. Mm-hmm. I think the same thing is true in conversations, in meetings, in relationships. Sometimes we just need to step back and say, maybe I have a good thought, but... Uh, how how do I express that thought is really important. Have you ever talked to good golfers? They'll, they'll talk to you about how they manage a golf course. You know, they, they manage it. And, and good communicators manage conversations. Good leaders manage. It's not just what you say, but can you say it in a way that can be heard by the person with whom you are attempting to communicate? And so a lot of times thinking before you speak is coming up with a strategy for the conversation. And I think a great leader kind of understands who they're speaking to because not everyone can be communicated with in the same way. Uh, But getting to know people, get back to relationships, um, you know, what is this person really trying to get out of the conversation? Or how can this even be encouraging to a person? Understanding who you're speaking to, really important. It's one thing for speaking in front of hundreds and hundreds of people, but if you got a one-on-one or one-on... Uh, three conversation, you know, how we communicate to those specific people, that group of people, so very important to get ahead. You know, Mike, when I was a coach before I became a pastor, you really had to figure out how do you communicate with each individual player on your team. Let's say I had two pitchers and and both these pitchers were having problems. I, I might be able to walk up to one and say, you know, my mom could throw the ball better than you're throwing today kind of get on them, challenge them a little bit. They're going to stiffen up and and step right into that. And then the very next kid, I could do that same thing with, and they would start weeping on the mound and run to their grandpa's truck to hide. And the reality is I said the exact same things, but there's two different individuals. And part of thinking before you speak is knowing who you're speaking to, knowing who your audience is. And a lot of times we think, of impulse control as always what you don't say. But we also need to think yeah. through what we do say. And it's such a discipline, isn't it, Shane? I it, mean, it, it is. really is. And I, what I found is that I do get better at it, but I have to keep coming back to thinking before I speak because uh, just by nature, sometimes we just want to talk before we think. And Mike, you've mentioned this. I think you mentioned it today. Uh, there are times for me when I will tap the brakes when all sensibility says you need to hit the accelerator, but what I need time to do is to process. And I need time to think before I speak because the last thing I wanna do is make a bad situation worse because I haven't thought it through. And so sometimes when we wanna hit the accelerator, the right thing to do is probably to hit the brakes. And sometimes the right time to have that meeting is after you've thought through how you're gonna have that meeting. Next for how to get ahead, how about this, Shane? Just dress professionally. Well, dress professionally. I, I, I love that. And I'm of the uh, ilk that if you work at home, work in your pajamas, you know? If you work in a place uh, that has a culture where people dress a certain way, 
dress according to that culture because that is the professional dress of that culture. If you're a musician, your professional dress is going to be different than being a banker. But what I would want to say to people is how you dress does matter. It says something about you. Yeah. What I think I hear you saying too is that you know, every setting may be a little different, but are you paying attention to your setting? Are mm-hmm. you paying attention to the people around you? What is uh, in, in your workplace? What is, consi- what is considered uh, professional wear? Mm-hmm. And, and, and at least start thinking about what you're wearing. Because it, for me, Shane, it, it lets the culture that you're in know if you care or not. Right. I think there's some people who could work really hard, but if they're not dressing professionally, you, que- you, you may question if they really care or not. That's just how I observe it. Well, the other thing about attire is is being other aware, you know, aware of how others see you. What is it you're trying to say? Because how we dress says something. So I'm almost 60 years old and I see other senior pastors who are my age or other business people who are my age or people who are in charge of their organizations. And if you saw them at 200 yards, you'd think they were 30. They, they dye their hair the exact same color it was when they were 30. They, they dress like a much younger person. And then you, you get up on them and you think, wow, this really isn't working. I see other people who intentionally dress against the culture. And what they're saying to me is, I just want to be a human hemorrhoid. Or <laughs> I am so starved for attention. But I like the idea of just dressing for success. Some years ago, I had an associate pastor. And, and I would get associate pastors who a lot of times were pretty new. It wasn't you, but they were pretty new. And they were talking to me about attire and how do you dress. And I simply asked them, where do you want to be in 10 years? And they said, I would like to be the senior pastor of a decent sized church. I said, then you need to start dressing now in a way where your supervisors see you. They could easily imagine you mm. in that role. Mm. So what is it you want? You want to dress in a way yeah. that others could easily imagine you in that role. It's not going to mentally stretch whoever uh, stretch that supervisor. That's right. They're going to be like, oh no, that, yeah, it's already going to be a stretch when you're moving up in some way, but oh yeah, they already kind of dress that way. I can visualize that. When my son was uh, coming up, he worked uh, in a big box on the corporate side. And and two, my son had two incredible skill sets for a young man in his early twenties. Number one, he was a scratch golfer. So whenever the company had golf tournaments and golf scrambles, his boss's boss's boss wanted Zach to play with them. So he's always making contacts because of a skill set. But the other thing he always did, he just dressed incredibly well. And when he was around his boss's boss's boss, that boss looks at him and says, I could easily imagine you in my office. I think that is a part of just dressing professionally. Now, if you're so brilliant that uh, it doesn't matter, that's great. Mm -hmm. But let me tell you something. There's far fewer of those people than they think they are. Yeah, the outliers for sure. All right, moving ahead here. How do we get ahead? The next is forgiving others. Shane, resentment, unforgiveness. Bitterness, hate. Doesn't get people ahead, does it? It doesn't, man. And, you know, let's say somebody's wrong to you, Mike. If you, if you take up bitterness and unforgiveness toward them, it's like you serving a, sen, a prison sentence for a crime someone else committed toward you. Yeah. So somebody steals your car and you go to jail. Right. It's insane. 
So we don't forgive to let other people off the hook. We forgive to let ourselves off the hook of being consumed by bitterness and hate. And in the workplace, particularly if you've been there a long time, I've been here 25 years. And if someone said what would be five attributes that are needed to be in one organization for 25 years, I would say you have to have the memory of a baseball closer. (laughs) Because if you got beat last night, you've got to forget about that game and get to the next game. I think a short memory is really important. The ability to forgive, the ability to reconcile, I think that is a skill set. And the longer you stay somewhere, the more you're going to need it. And people who can't develop it will jump job to job to job to job because they'll never be able to make relationships work. Shane, let's move to our final point today. It's going to be be thankful. Be thankful. How does being thankful get people ahead? Thanksgiving is the antidote to entitlement. And let me tell you how not to get ahead. Feel entitled. Feel like the whole world owes you something and walk around with a bad attitude and a chip on your shoulder. And I guarantee you, you will not get ahead ever. I think Thanksgiving is is an important thing because when we're thankful... We focus on what we have, not what we don't. When we're thankful, there's a sense of appreciation inside of us. I mean, there are so many things, Mike, that I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful I was born into a family of people who loved me. I'm so thankful that I was raised in the Christian tradition. I am so thankful that despite the fact I was a blithering idiot, I married a really good woman. I am so thankful for the opportunities that other people gave me early in my life. Not not an assurance that I would succeed, but the opportunity to succeed. And those were things people had to hand to me. And I find myself thankful. And because of that, uh, I don't feel like anybody owes me anything. I'm just grateful for the opportunity. What I noticed you did there, even in that moment, you reflected. Yeah. And sometimes thankfulness starts with reflection, Absolutely. I think, about where we've been, mm-hmm. uh, what God has done in our lives. I also think uh, about thankfulness, specifically for that group of people out there who maybe have stuck in the faith for a long time. I, I believe that sometimes from watching, uh, from walking with God so much, I believe some of us can kind of get used to God answering our prayers. Mm-hmm. As silly as that sounds, maybe, but, uh, you know, we serve a great God who answers prayers all the time. And I I don't know about you, Shane, but for me, sometimes I have to make myself, oh, stop in the evening time and say, oh God, that's right, I was praying about that. Thank you for that. And that's helped me, uh, and it's not about feelings. Mm -hmm. Because I think earlier in the faith, it's all about, oh, I feel so thankful, thank you. So the older I get, the more about, again, the discipline about coming before God, reflecting and saying, thank you, God. Uh, And sometimes this may sound silly at the end of the evening. Sometimes I'll just get down on a knee Mm -hmm. and I'll just acknowledge God and say, thank you. I don't really feel it, but I know you answered my prayer. Yeah. And sometimes, Mike, we we look at our life and and I'm old enough now. I've got some life I can look back on. And one of the things I would have to say, we, we all have challenges. We all have things that have happened and all that. But on the whole, I feel like I've gotten better than I deserved. And that makes me thankful. Well, thank you for joining us for Navigating Change with Shane and Mike. We would love for you to subscribe, share, and review our podcast. If you'd like to hear more from Shane or I, visit our websites, RevShaneBishop.com or RevMikeWu.com. We'll talk with you next time, and make sure that you keep 
the change.